Recording. No theme on this side, sorry. Nope. Okay. This is the Tom Bernard Show, sitting in for Tom. I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina. Andy Brad Bernard. And still at the right hand, Ralph Toy Bastion, MD, the Hackmaster. We'll be back with more right after this. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom here for Walzer, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram in Hopkins. You're invited to a new vehicle show Tuesday, May 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. They are launching the new 2019 Ram truck. This is the most widely anticipated launch in Ram history. If trucks aren't your thing, you might want to check out the city's largest inventory of Jeep Wranglers. There will be food and refreshments and giveaways. This is a low-pressure, fun evening, and with Walzer's upfront pricing and lifetime powertrain warranty, they can make the buying process fun as well. Everyone who attends will automatically receive a coupon worth $500 towards the purchase of a new Ram or Wrangler. When you stop in, ask for Campbell Walzer and tell him I sent you. Though I love to tease him because he's Paul's son. He is a great guy, though, uh, and has always taken good care of us. Put it on your calendars, Tuesday, May 1st, from 6 to 9, at Walzer Chrysler in Hopkins. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down, when you're straight. We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you on the show tomorrow with the family all in tow. All right, we've got some more strange news to take a look at. Uh, What's this? After noticing black spots in her iris, Ashley McCrary was diagnosed with ocular melanoma. I was like, well, I know two people who've had this cancer, McCrary tells CBS News. To say that's unlikely is an understatement. Between five and six out of every one million people are diagnosed with the rare eye cancer. Uh, Yet two of McCrary's friends also had it. The three attended Auburn University in Alabama together. Mm. Another Auburn alum was also diagnosed. The woman started a Facebook page to look for other alums dealing with the same cancer. 36 people have now gotten in touch with her so far. McCrary uh, tells CBS, according to the page, most of those affected attended Auburn between 1983 and 2001. Last month, WLTZ reported that at least 31 people who attended or worked at the university from 1980 to the early 90s have been diagnosed with ocular melanoma. Earlier this month, uh, Healthline put the number diagnosed in the area of 33. Similarly, a number of people in the Huntersville, North Carolina area have also been diagnosed with ocular melanoma, also known as Uveal melanoma. CBS puts the number at 18, while WFAE reports that 23 people who lived, worked, or spent significant time in Mecklenburg County since 2000 have been diagnosed with the disease. Many of the patients in both areas are young women, Newsweek reports, despite the fact that the disease is typically more common in older people and men. Officials have so far been unable to determine what might be causing the apparent clusters of cases, though the Alabama Department of Health's official stance is that it would be premature to determine that a cancer cluster exists in the area. 
but doctors in Philadelphia are studying the patients, some of whom travel there for treatment in a clinical trial. Doctors at Columbia University are also studying the tumors of diagnosed patients, and Auburn University has put together a committee to investigate. Now, they put a committee to, Ralph, to, to study when you've the got problem. 23 to 33 people coming up with a case where you're only supposed to get five or yeah, six that's out a, of... that's a cluster is what it is. Yeah. yeah. How, did, how did they just... Dis- what did they say? It was five or six... Uh, out of a million people. I, I'm surprised that the incidence is that high. Well, it sounds like there's, there's some sort of either radiation or air toxin in uh, that university, or there was anyway. Well, there's something in the water. Wash your yeah. face, you get in your eye. Oh, I wonder if it's affecting more women than men. Maybe it could be a cosmetic that's no, popular but, there. But the, but the blue eyeshadow, the university. <laughs> well, it is all that, 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 that was that was mean spirited. Oh, sorry, that I was mean spirited. Take, take it back. Green eyeshadow. Green. That's right. Uh, you know the yeah, that's it. That, that is interesting. I was trying to think of run things through that uh, environmentally that would bring this on, and you can't. Rel- it's not genetic because these people are from all over. Uh-huh. Um, man, what would it be? In Auburn University, what's in? And and where is Auburn University? Is it in Auburn, Alabama? Auburn, Alabama, is it? Yeah. In the I didn't know there was I didn't know there was Auburn, Alabama. The um, and yeah, then the he, other one's in North Carolina, and that's in the same area. Yeah. So. Yeah, who knows what's going on? Well, another reason not to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, but this man, I've never even heard of that. I mean, what? you know, I've 30 years, well, you know, been hanging around medicine for 40 years now. Well, your iris I've never heard of it. It's a pretty static structure. It would be weird for it to get cancer because, you know, it, you know, it doesn't really do that much changing. So there's no, not a lot of opportunity for cells to mutate. Yeah. So, yeah, that it's But could it be that, because of the fluidity or the, we're, we get all those uh, particulates in our eye, the floaters? Those shouldn't touch well, your the, iris. Oh, the, the. You know that's in you know, if it's particular matter that could contaminate that be like dust or certain something in the in the soil or the dust that mm-hmm. uh, radioactive dust. dust yeah yeah it could be well, that'd be weird yes it would radioactive dust or it could be uh, uh, but a, if it was, metal or chemical in the dust if it was radioactive dust you'd probably go blind because <laughs> that would damage your retinas first I would think well it, it depends on how how big the particulate and, is and, and it depends and the exposure on exposure depends on the radiation. If it's alpha radiation, it only goes. Uh, it doesn't go that deep. Well, but I mean, if it's dust like in the vitreous humor, you know, right next to your retina, we well, we can't get you, stuff doesn't get in that way because the dust doesn't get past your your uh, conjunctiva and the white that's clear of your eye. But well, these people, um, well, this was in the this was in the iris, which is just below the cornea. Oh, it's other young women. I was going to say because you know if you get old enough, that vitreous can liquefy and then you know but it, it dries out it dries out and it sort of pulls away from your retina yeah yeah that, so in that case that could happen but not in young women no, no. can you do anything about all that uh the, the floaters no technically so, yes no. but it's just what not is worth it, it. what uh, they say you just take the vitreous out yeah just take it out and put more in but that's it's really not worth yeah, it it's not it's that, that the the, uh, the possibilities of you know something going wrong or a lot worse than just yeah having i'm noticing the older i'm getting yeah, I've got it, a lot more gunk floating around, and they're irritating me. They're it, just little uh, balls of protein yeah, that but, just do that. But as you as, as 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 you as you get older, your your vitreous does um, dry or age, and it shrinks, and it pulls away from your retina, and that's how you get a, that's one one mechanism of getting a retinal detachment. As it pulls yeah. away, if it doesn't pull away from the retina, it'll tear the retina with it and it starts coming down. Ugh. Mm. Oh, you're a happy-go-lucky show today, huh? <laughs> happy-go-lucky. Yeah, but that that idea, but boy, you know, I, I have never heard of the uh, of an uh, of melanoma in your iris. Yeah, very strange. And man, that is that is one. I would think that's one bad actor. Oof. Yeah, what yeah. would? Well, who knows? Because off? I mean, like, where would a metastasis even go? So, well, I, it's possible that it wouldn't even metastasize. Well, I'm worried that it would go into your brain. Be directing your brain. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, I don't really know. I would have to reflect on the lymphatic drainage of the eyeball. Yeah. Ooh, I don't remember that. Well, you reflect on that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as gaffes go, it's pretty priceless. A CEO waiting to discuss his company's new $10 billion deal in an ITV news interview was filmed singing, We're in the money. 
Well, I mean... <laughs> Why wouldn't you be happy on a deal like that? Yeah, if there's any time to sing that, then... Mike Coop, the head of uh, Sainsbury Supermarkets, was captured quietly singing, we're, we're in the money, the sky is sunny, let's lend it, spend it, and send it rolling along. He has since apologized for his unfortunate choice of song and said he was simply trying to compose myself before a TV interview. As for why that song, he said only that he saw that musical from uh, 42nd Street last year and the song was replaying in his head. Yeah, I'm sure it, that's the only reason. But yeah. he was getting a paycheck. Yeah, what, really. This is, this is absolutely innocent. Thank he God was, he was happy. He was in the money. That's, yeah. you know, just... Leave it to people like you to believe that, or Ralph. Factual. A rep for Sainsbury's elaborated on the point reports that Guardian saying, we all know these songs stay in our head to attach any wider meaning to this innocent personal moment is preposterous. But the potential truth of the song stung some critics who noted that Sainsbury's shares surged 15% after news of the ASDA acquisition was announced. Monday, CBS News reports that uh, Jump raised the value of Coop's own shares by $750,000. Well, there you go. Yeah, we're in the money. Well, this, uh, he knew that. <coughs> he knew that that was going to happen. He, or he had a, I don't know if he knew it, but he had a sense that that was going to happen. That's why... That's why I did the deal. Yeah, if I made seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in one day, I'd probably be, uh, you know, we're in the money. Yeah, we're really. in the money. <laughs> yeah, why I'm not sing it? So, so it, it would have been offensive. He would, he would, he would have sung it like Al Jolson. Right. <laughs> is that the only thing Forty Second Street is known for? Because I've never even heard of it before. No, there's a couple other songs that there are, are? That, are, that are pretty well. Known. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Dance Ten Looks Three, but that's Chorus Line. I'm mixing my. Did I'm you see? My, uh, did you see the Greatest Showman? No, I didn't get to see the Greatest oh Showman. Oh my because God! What an amazing is it, movie! Is it on HBO? I don't know if it is yet. I bought the DVD. Oh, you I purchased saw, the DVD? Yeah, here was the deal. I was on the plane. You know, this this is the 21st century. Flying to Toronto. Yeah. Or I bought the Blu-ray. Let me reiterate. Oh, Blu-ray. Right. Sorry. Uh, so I'm I'm flying, and you know you get a free movie, and uh, I was watching the Greatest Showman, and wow, beautifully filmed, remarkable. I mean, completely inaccurate. What were you watching it on? Uh, an airplane. No, you had the Blu-ray. We had on a computer with <laughs> no, you. No, 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 no. I was watching it on the on the airplane, and then that made me buy the Blu-ray and the soundtrack. You bought the Blu-ray. Yeah, Man, this I wanted to take dandy. it home. My, this, I have kids. Is this normal? They love this stuff. <laughs> this is this. this, this. I like love. to physically have a DVD on hand. I don't like just that digital Ooh. download stuff. Because here's my deal. Stop what happens if Amazon collapses? What, what if what what? I, Amazon collapses and all of my digital information is gone? I've lost all my movies. Well, you don't you don't buy movies. I want to. You stream them. Yeah, oh. normally I just I just rent movies. I I never buy movies. <laughs> See, if I, I only buy the ones that I'll watch repeatedly. And this is one that I, I love musicals and old movies and and in that case, this movie was phenomenal. Great, I, I, powerful I, score, beautifully filmed, great acting. It's beautiful. And when was it made? Just, uh, just last year. It was released in December. The Showman. The Greatest Showman. It's about, the greatest, well, oh, loosely based on P.T. Barnum's life. But it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Does he have the blades? No, he's not Wolverine. Although there is a scene when his, uh, his um, no, no, when, when the oh. freaks from his show are getting picked on and he comes walking out and he's like, knock it off. And I looked at my son and I go, pop the claws, pop the claws, pop the claws. Because <laughs> it totally looked like a mutant moment. Yeah. You've got all of the mutants out in the, in the hallway or out in the alleyway dealing with them. But it's a beautiful movie. So they, they they had a lot of uh, appearances of people with deformities. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, he was talking about his kind of freak show, sideshow stuff that he. Oh did. yeah. Well, so was... he had uh, the bearded woman. He had the tall guy. He had the acrobats. He had the tiny or what was the name? A Tom tiny Tim. Thumb. Tom, Tom Thumb. Thumb. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Tiny Tim. Tiny no. Tim is different than Tom right. Thumb. Yeah. Tiny Tim is oh, tiptoe through the tulips. Totally <laughs> different guy. Tom totally Thumb. different. Tom Thumb uh, was uh, the little general. Tom Thumb, I think. Tom and, Thumb uh, was a gas station. Or yeah, whatever. That too. Yeah. yeah. Tom Thumb was a midget. Yes. Uh, no, we, he was. He was. He had dwarfism. He I wasn't a midget. No, I, I don't believe. So. Well, we, well, you're we, incorrect. I, sir. I, no, I've I thought. I thought that he was a small person. Right. Which is a midget. Everything yeah, was in proportion. Between, yeah. He, and he. So he just had very very small stature overall. Right. But he was like he was formed properly. Yeah. He was formed properly. But he was just small in stature. Yeah. Small in stature. Right. Well, dwarfism. You know, dwarfism is really a. You know, usually it's achondroplasia. Uh, and it, and, it, and it involves, and there's a certain um, physical appearance that many people with dwarfism have. Yeah. And a certain physical proportion that they have. And come along with it, they got, they got some rough kind of joint and uh, yeah. issues he and things like that. He doesn't look like he has achondroplasia. 
He looks. He just looks like a scaled down person. Right. Yeah, now, the actor that plays him, I think, has that. But I'm sorry. The, the, the actor that plays him has has the oh, whatever it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but the the original Tom Thumb did not. And and they you know like I said they take a lot of liberties with the story. Oh, sure, sure. But it is so good. You can get it for a buck fifty. Go rent it from the Red Box. I don't know if you're Red familiar Box. with that. Yeah. Don't they have this on one of the streaming services? Oh, my God. Like, what is, yeah, I'm sure they do. Amazon's probably got to have it. Amazon's probably yeah. the greatest show. And I, and I remember it coming out. It's, I remember it. It's phenomenal. It really, I can't believe it didn't do better. It is truly one of the best mu- musicals I've ever seen. Huh. And that says a lot. I like musicals. And Better I than Guys music. and Dolls? Yeah. Guys and Dolls is kitschy and fun. This is just a beautiful spectacle. Huh. Guys and Dolls had a, a totally different vibe to Better it. Better than Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, I didn't care for Phantom. I'm Burr. picky, though. <laughs> I mean, unless we're talking Lon Chaney, the original that that was good. I didn't care for the uh, the play. Wait, we saw I saw the play uh, in New York with uh, Michael Crawford singing. It was the original lead, mm-hmm. and we had and I had and I, I, I the, the person that gave us the tickets. We they were his house seats, so they were Ooh. they were front Fancy. and sort of centerish. What's it like to have back. friends? No, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice. Gotta try that. Sometime. It's nice. It's nice. Uh, that but that was a. That was, that was very moving. I did enjoy that. That was something. Right. I that thought was it was good. See, did you ever see Cats? Memory. Wow. Memory. No, it's not memories. Right. It's memories. Yeah, they're, memories. they're different, even though they're, yeah. No, Cats. No, I didn't see Cats because uh, memories, that's the only song. Right. And I, But I saw it. It, it basically, that it's ruined just me like Andrew a bunch Roy. of little poems that they act out. It, it was, I did not get the, the whole. Everyone hated Cats. No, everybody loves Cats. What? They did. It ran forever. Look it, it up. It ran it for like, like 182 years. 182. Well, Remember that, that joke on SNL? It was great. I loved it more than Cats. I'll see it again and again. <laughs> Cats was, uh, I didn't, uh. and same with Les Mis. I thought it was a fun movie, but it was dark. This is fun, exuberant, boisterous. It's it's just a great feel-good movie. So, so it's it's fabulous. Yes, it's You're saying fabulous. It's, it's, I love it. It's a fabulous hey, show. I think it's fabulous. Cats ran for 21 years in London yeah. and then 18 years in Broadway, both which were records at the time. Well, Andrew Lloyd Webber's rich. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be incredibly bad, huh? rich. Oh, speaking of which, I looked up Tom Thumb. Uh, he was never technically diagnosed with anything because, you know, early 1800s. What are you going to do? Right. But it sounds to me like he had a something was up with his pituitary because Yeah, I think he that's stopped, what they said, and he just stopped growing. He stopped no. growing when he was like four, and then he started growing again when he was eight, but only a little bit, and then he stopped again. Yeah. So something, yeah, his growth hormones were just not doing no. it. Just like the opposite of Andre, the giant. Exactly. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. As a matter of fact, I've seen that documentary really good, too, on HBO. We'll be back on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Teacher, Mr. Hump, who was a short person, took quite offense to the song. And I remember him ranting about it in school. 
Because we were singing it on the playground, and we were brought in, and he railed about it for an entire hour. Well, things were, uh, people had a lot thinner skin well, before, like, 15, 20 years ago. Because when I was short a kid. people have always got kind of a thinner skin. When I was a kid, you know, Dungeons and Dragons came out, right. and people were all upset about, you know, magic, spellcraft, that kind of stuff. The religious people didn't like that, and, you know. Yeah, but mothers, that never went away. Mothers didn't like the concept of their kids pretending to, you know, kill bandits and that kind of thing. And everyone was all freaking out about. And now it's uh, it sounds like a joke, but at the time it was oh, a big the same deal. Same thing happened with Harry Potter and yeah, Magic the yeah. Gathering. I mean, everybody just there's, people want to just complain. Here's my deal: my mom didn't care if I played Dungeons and Dragons because she knew where I was. That's true. I was in the basement being a nerd, drinking Jolt Soda with my four best buddies. Playing uh, playing a nerd game. All the, she didn't have to worry. I wasn't out doing drugs or, or getting girls pregnant at that time. J- J- Jolt Cola. All, right. all the all the sugar and twice the caffeine. Yes. Plenty of surge. We yeah. used to play poker at my buddy Jeff Dempsey's house. And his mom, she was cool with us being there, but she's like, your friends have got so much energy. How do they do this? And he goes, well, Mom, you keep buying us cases of Jolt. And she goes, well, what is it? I thought you like it. He goes, we do like it, but it's like double the caffeine. And we would eat, sit there and knock down three cans of Jolt playing oh, poker until five and in the morning. And, and then, then, then we'd s- conk out, and that was it. And then our stomach linings would yeah, dissolve off. straight through. Yeah. And you, know, you ever drink Jolt? I've never had it. I have had Jolt one time, and I woke up with the absolute worst heartburn I've ever had in my life. And then I never drank it again. Yeah, but aren't you the guy that ate, like, the straight caffeine packet or whatever? Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I drank the uh, the coffee concentrate. So, yeah, I don't know why, why the Jolt Cola would have done that, but a bottle he of coffee concentrate. He just brushes over it and Ralph's over here twitching. What do you mean you drink straight coffee concentrate? Yeah, I, I drank the equivalent of, I think it was 32 cups of coffee. Yeah, and I didn't even notice. I, I seriously, I like lack caffeine receptors or something. No, everybody else noticed that to him he's moving in slow motion because he's so hyped up on the caffeine. Oh man! It's how you, yeah, it's how you slow down time. You just yeah, take you stimulants and tell oh. you, yeah, till everything yeah. else just slows down around you. Yeah, I think if the average person did that, they would have had a pretty bad time. But wow. to caffeine has really. <laughs> I turned like fifteen, and caffeine just stopped doing anything. Really? Yeah, I don't Oof. know why. It it. I think the jolt thing was just the uh, the acidity because there's a lot of uh, acid in those things. Yeah, just you know because the sugar was long gone. Yes, wow. yes, it was. Amazing. I always joked when uh, you know taking my kid to baseball and stuff. You were always, you know, this is your week to bring the treats. I wanted to bring pixie sticks and a case of Jolt mm. and just send kids home with their families. Pixie sticks are the weirdest concept. <laughs> not, not at all. Just the, a the tube can, of sugar. It but, was lazy for candy makers. They're like, we don't have to press it in any shapes. Yeah. We don't have to cover it. We'll just put it in a tube and kids can suck down sugar pure. <laughs> we'll I remember dad's boss at KQ, uh, I was probably like eight-ish. Yeah. And he gave Alex and me two like three-foot-long pixie sticks. Oh, and mom and dad were not happy about that. Because <laughs> naturally we just ate them all in like half an hour oh. and yeah. <laughs> How can you do it? See, I always had the problem where I'd dump the pixie stick in and every drop of moisture from my body would go. Yeah. And I'd have a clump of sugar in my throat I couldn't get down. Desiccates you, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like if you've ever tried to do the saltine, you, like, eat ten saltines in a minute or something like that. It's just not physically possible. Well, it's like when you do Pop Rocks with Coca-Cola. Remember? Oh, Or uh, what's, what's the... Diet Coke uh, and Mentos? Yes, Mentos. <laughs> Pop a Mentos in your mouth and try to try to sip on a Diet Coke I and see like how, that how that'll one. take you. I wonder if that's how they discovered that. Someone ate a Mentos. Although, well, the thing about the Mentos and Diet Coke is it's because of the nucleation sites on the like candy shell of the Mento. So you'd have to swallow it whole, which I don't think a lot of people do. What, swallow the? The Mentos whole. So if you sw- swallow the mint, if, if you swallow that whole and then you drink diet coke, that'll do the thing well, in your well, stomach. Well, doesn't it? Well, I thought that if you had to, had it in your mouth and you drank diet coke, it'd be this foam that would come yeah, out of well, your mouth. Oh, I guess it if does. you like have yeah. both of them in your mouth at the same time, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, but if you like, if you chew the if you, if you chew it up and you know break up break the candy shell up, then it won't react because it's all the tiny little like microscopic holes in the candy shell that the soda gets into and then. Yeah. There was a comedian, the amazing Jonathan. Did you ever oh, see I've him? seen him live did, twice. Oh, did you? Oh, I, I saw hilarious. him live once. Yeah. And my wife and Lindsay didn't want to go. 
<laughs> she could hardly breathe through the whole thing. It was it was so funny. But he, he had that one the one skit where he would co- get somebody up on stage, and he would he would they would do something, and he, he would pour pour something in their hand. He says, "Okay, just hold it in your hand. It drain it. It'll burn a little bit. Just wait a minute." Yeah. They put it in his mouth. Then he would take take, take a the thing, Windex looked, bottle. Windex. He looked like Windex and drink it down. He was like, "Oh!" The yeah, foam would come out yeah. of his mouth. God, what a. He was great, but you know he doesn't he doesn't performs very little now. No, he he's had a residency in Vegas for like twenty yeah. years, but he's always on like some little side deal. But his he's never updated his act. If you saw him Why twenty years he? ago, mm. it's the exact same show right now that you saw twenty years ago oh, with his wife. Oh. Yes, <laughs> with a stapler. Yeah, <laughs> he would staple something on her forehead. Oh God, what a terrible! Thing. He was he was funny. That was a good show. I took my dad to see that show on one of our first trips to Vegas. And he, he was kind of like your wife. He had no interest in going, and he laughed himself sick. It was kind of like watching Jackass perform live on stage. Yeah, yeah. Just all the weird stuff that they would pull. Are, are, you, are any of those shows still on? Are any of the derivatives or the spinoffs of Jackass, are they I don't on? Think so. No, but there's a new movie coming out that's got the entire cast yeah. of Jackass, and all the stunts are real. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And uh, it's, it says, from the producers of Bad Grandpa and blah, 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 and they've it, Johnny Knoxville plays somebody's grandpa in this, but all of the... The stunts that you see, they didn't get a stunt coordinator. They didn't get uh, stunt doubles. They're all actually taking the hits in the new movie. That was. That, we, it is called Action Point. It's terrible. Johnny for me. Knoxville combines jackass stunts with a theme park story. <laughs> Whatever that means. Right. I'm guessing there's going to be riding a roller coaster off the rails at some point. I really hate to admit this as a as a, as a trained medical man. You know, medical professional. But my son said, you know, this jackass is kind of funny. So I, I started watching it with him. And they was just, this is when they pretty much only did. They, they just jumped in the in the shopping carts and rode them down the yeah, hill yeah, right. into the bushes and yep. stuff yeah, like before that. Before they were yeah, like blowing their the fingers off. A couple yeah. seasons when it was brand new. That was hilarious. That's, that was, that's all they did. So, he, so when the movie came out, we go to the theater and we're sitting in the theater. And there's two people in there with us. And, 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 the, and, and, the, and, the, and the movie starts... And I start laughing uncontrollably. And Justin says, Dad, you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing me. There's nobody in this movie. And I was laughing so hard, I couldn't get over it. So, so, and, and, I, and, I, and so then fast forward about, oh, well, about, you know, three or four years, uh, Lindsay, it just, it just always would degrade us for watching. He said, that's a terrible thing. And blah, on and on and on. She said, she, so I call one time. They're out in L.A. I call and I, and I hear people laughing in the background, and and, and Lindsay's ignoring. And I said, well, "What's going on in the background?" I said, oh, that, "That's that's my mother." I said, well, "What are they watching? They're watching Jackass." And Lindsay's <laughs> watching, laughing her head off because uh, of that. Oh, what a funny! Oh, it just and I, it was. I guess it's a, it's a, the septuagenarian in me of, as far as uh, you know, uh, uh, candid camera. It's kind of a candid yeah. camera. Yeah, it's three kind of stooges on acid, is what oh, it is. That's right. Oh, but they did the candy. Oh, and, the, and one thing, the, and one of the funniest things they did was when they would have Preston chasing Wee Man oh, yeah. through yeah. Santa Monica in their underwear. Man, was that, that was one of the best things. They had another great one I saw recently where they they snuck onto a prestige or like a, go, a country club golf course. So you could see that these guys were all competitive. They were in their foursomes or whatever, and they're teeing off. These guys, Johnny Knoxville and one of the other. Weird morons climbs into the bushes with air horns, and they're teeing off. And as soon as they would get ready to tee off, they'd blow the air horns. And these doctors and lawyers were getting so frustrated that they started teeing off at the bush where they were hiding. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> then they go over and confronted them, and then they came up with some stupid disease that required them to have an air horn. <laughs> it was... And then one of them almost hit. Like they just kept teeing off because it was of so frustrating. Well, yeah, that was part two, wasn't it? Jackass 2? Uh, 2.0 or whatever they call it. I it was a TV show oh, or the movie. Man. Yeah, I think it was, it was in great. one of the movies. So the, so the guy changed his position to go tee off at the bush they're hiding in, and they still blew the air horn, <laughs> and he kept missing. <laughs> it uh, is a dumb show. I got uh, I got hotboxed. My, I went with my three buddies, begged me to go see this stupid movie. I had no interest. The whole way over there, they're puffing weed. Oh, <laughs> that hot box. There's two kinds of hot yeah, boxing. Yeah, well, I was doing the, the, the weed hot boxing. What's the so, other one? 
I, I, oh, is that, is that, is that an urban dictionary thing? Okay, isn't I want. That, isn't that? Well, I don't know. Mind. The other one I know Never is mind. just a fart and you yeah. throw the, the cover yeah, exactly. up over the person's oh, head. I, I was thinking it was. Okay. The, yeah. I'm, sure that, I'm sure that the urban dictionary has other. But urban dictionary has a definition like that for yeah. literally any combination yeah. of characters. Or you characters. call it a Dutch oven. Dutch oven. That's <laughs> another one. Yeah. <laughs> you send someone to the Dutch oven. Yeah, but we went in and, and that uh, being secondhand smoke took a while to hit and it hit me about 10 minutes into that movie and I don't. I hurt, physically hurt leaving that movie. I laughed so hard. Good. That's good for you. Yeah, it is. Good, healthy. Uh... And that may be one of the really good things about uh, using uh, marijuana or, the, or that drug is that it does make people laugh and, and, and seem to enjoy themselves. So, I, that, I can honestly say, though, I saw the other movies unimpeded, and I still laugh just as stupid hard. And I don't know why, because when you look at it, it is the most disgraceful, stupid things you've ever seen. That's but it's like watching that, The Three Stooges. I just laugh till I'm sick. It's another but, thing that mothers were unhappy with. Right. You know, the Three Stooges. My parents d- didn't like me watching the Three Stooges, right. although they were the best. The I think that this, the idea of Jack has it's that self-deprecation because mm-hmm. they do all the stuff on themselves to themselves. Right. They're not they're not victimizing people or embarrassing people. They're just doing goofy stuff and 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 filming the reaction of when when they when the, when the coffin would fall out of the hearse and <laughs> yeah. slide down the oh, hill. Yeah. <laughs> And they'd have, you know, somebody in the trunk, and they'd pull up at a gas station, and they'd leave the trunk open, and someone would get out. <laughs> like, they would film everybody right. in their underwear. Yeah, they'd be yeah. in their underwear. They would be bound up. And <laughs> run. Or they would, like, mount uh, a car seat on top of a car and drive around a mall parking lot. Oh, and with people the would start fake running. baby in there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with a, ba- a doll in it. Yeah. Oh, oh I remember. Or, or, the, or the, what was it? was the... Uh, uh, oh, it's so the exercise bicycle that Johnny Knoxville would ride. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. Well, there was another, I think it was in the movie, where he goes, I think it's, it must be Johnny Knoxville, and uh, he goes and rents a car. Yes. And he doesn't get insurance or anything. <laughs> and he turns it into a derby car, like a right. smash-up derby car. And then he gets it completely totaled to the point where it's undrivable. He gets it returned to the uh, rent-a-car place on a flatbed. And the, and the guy... The guy yeah, because I wanted to complain about yeah, the car. Yeah, like, he's, the guy at the counter is like, what happened? And then he gets to run out, and the guy's yeah. like chasing him across the like, road. Well, I'm not going to pay for it. I got the insurance. Yeah. And he runs out. Oh, oh man! I wonder if there is a clause like how far can you go with rental insurance? You can if you pay for those premium deals. You, you got can pretty it. Pretty much re- return it just in a cube. I'm surprised more people don't do. do that then because. You or know. I think it is he doesn't have the insurance, but then his whole his counterpoint is like, but I turn I return to a full tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the gas is the last of my concerns. Oh, jeez. Oh. What a yeah. what a great yeah three, the three Stooges movies were great they would film those all in one one day right they knock them all out and just back to back but man did, growing up was there anything better than the little rascals and three Stooges just sitting no. there at lunchtime eating them did you guys have that here in Minnesota or no lunchtime yeah, at Chicago it was always on like around noon on Channel Thirty Two huh. we'd sit down for lunch and watch the Stooges and the the little rascals no it was on the evening in Pittsburgh <clears throat> oh really yeah probably right before. Uh, Bruno San Martino in the professional wrestling. Oh, he just died, didn't he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he did. Like a week ago, I think, eighty some years old. Yeah, Bruno San Martino died April eighteenth, and he was eighty-two. God rest his soul. Were you a big wrestling fan? When I was a kid, I I watched it when I was a kid. I thought it was a great show. Uh, You know, it wasn't too far in before I realized, hey, you know, this this is more entertainment, and this is what you know, this isn't really, you know, really. This is the spectacle of. of acrobatics and things like that. I, I'm oh. going to be a part of the Chris Jericho cruise in October. He's uh, Chris Jericho from, from yeah. uh, wrestling. He's put together this whole Ring of Honor cruise. He's got uh, it's his rock and wrestler rager, and he's got all of these. He keeps adding people, too. He added two of the guys from um, Impractical Jokers. He's got comedians, bands. I texted him the other day. I said, are you going to leave any rooms for people to actually get on board the ship with us? Yeah. It's a four-day cruise, but we're the paranormal guys. We're going to be out there oh, for cool. Halloween. So we're going to be doing oh, different creepy presentations every day, and then you can go watch wrestling and music and, and everything. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Professional wrestling just had a big deal in Saudi Arabia. I guess it's big there. Oh, really? Professional and big in Saudi no Arabia. No kidding. 
Cool place. Time for the return of the Iron Sheik. That's right. If you want information, check out ChrisJerichoCruise.com, I think it is, for more information. We'll be back right here on the Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. Yeah, I know someday I'll walk out of here again. Nice choice, Mike. This is one of my all-time favorite Springsteen tunes. Why Springsteen? I'm just a huge Springsteen fan. Huge. I've seen every concert since uh, Born in the USA. Is this before or after his whiny? Is this during his whiny period? <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? Oh, with that fil- when he did the music for Philadelphia, he got well, whiny. Well, that's because you know, he's writing a song about somebody dying from AIDS. You got to kind of be more no, but, but reflective. Then he, well, I know the music for the movie can be reflective, but then he got whiny all over. Well, it, it depends it, on. The, he, he's very kind of into the culture at the time and writing about what. Is going on in our country and what's going to go on? Was that was that a whiny whiny no. period Boo-hoo. in America? Let's step outside. <clears throat> no, okay, I'll take bashing or creating problems. My piece of it. All right, uh, we've got our guest on the line. All right, yes. uh, she's promoting her book, Work That Matters. Am I saying this right, uh, Maya Durr? You got it pretty close, Durr. Kind Durr. Of like some of us are doers. That, <laughs> that worked out well for you. Hi, Maya. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. This is Dave. Is that correct? That's right. I'm filling in for Tom today. Thanks a lot. So work that matters, create a livelihood that reflects your core intention. So talk to me a little bit about this in your background. You're a writer, organizational consultant, and coach for people going through life and career transitions. Uh, Fascinating stuff. A lot of people out there kind of floundering, looking for direction, looking for some kind of way to get a hand up in their lives and in their personal and and work lives. What, What have you got going for us? Uh, Yeah, well, basically I've got like a whole lifetime of my own that struggles with that same question. So that's what I draw on. Um, In the book I share about actually the the genesis for all this was when I was a little kid, and I still remember my dad coming home from work every night, coming home late, um, waiting for him at the dinner table, and he finally got there, and he was just really frustrated and and depressed about his job. And as I went through, you know, my teen years at that turned out to be not unusual. Like, you know, most people who were in their working years were not very happy. Um, And I really, at that point, I just made myself a promise. Like, I don't want to turn out like that. I want to do everything I can to create work that I love. And it's resulted in a lot of different jobs (laughs) and careers in my life because I would, you know, try something out. I would like it for a while and get really frustrated and then move on to the next thing. 
so I was doing that for a long time, and you know, I did conventional things to try to figure it out, like go to a career counselor and read books like What Color Is Your Parachute? Um, but something wasn't quite clicking. So I finally figured out about 10 years ago or so that when I brought you know, the insights from my longtime meditation practice into that whole process, uh, things just really shifted, and I was able to make decisions that were much better around work and making it sustainable for myself and making it things that I love to do, and it paid the bills. So I'm, I'm basically combining mindfulness practice and the insights and benefits from that with career development work. Well, walk me through this, all right, because here's the issue. I think most of us go into the careers that we think we're going to love, think we're going to like, and the career is fine. It's the politics. It's the people surrounding us. So it's mm-hmm. out, outside influences and, and things you don't necessarily have any ability to change. How do you come to terms with that? Yeah, and no, I completely hear you. I spent my first 10 years, my first professional was working in mental health, the mental health field, um, and I experienced the same thing. Like, you know, I went into it feeling like, oh, this is great. You know, I like to help people. Um, and what I discovered, as I'm sure many people <laughs> in healthcare professions and also education discovered, it's like that's not actually the main point of the profession, right? There are so many other agendas in play that you don't actually get a chance to do what it is you love to do and you thought you were going to do. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to handle that, but in the book I start with a process that basically the very beginning step is like you really need to know yourself and you need to know what I call your core intention. So, you know, what is it that you're here? It's not quite a passion. It's more like your purpose. Um, What is it that you're here to offer? And as you become more familiar with that, you can then, you know, depending on the job you're currently in, uh, and I think actually we do sometimes have more control than we think we have, but it requires us to kind of strengthen some qualities in ourselves to exert that control. Um, But the more we're able to bring that core intention into our work or, you know, make decisions that this particular job is not going to make that at all possible, um, then we can move it into the next career, but do it in a more intentional way. So that's kind of where I start from is that it's really essential that one has to know what your core intention is before any of this is possible. Well, you know, a lot of people are drawn to a core, you know, drawn to a job because of the financial situation, not so much what sure. they bring to it, but what the job will bring to them, prestige, uh, some some form of acknowledgement or money. So is are you saying that's the wrong way to go into a career is, is having those goals uh, in, in your mindset? I think everybody's different, so I think for some people that would be just fine. So I don't want to argue that, you know, this is a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, But I do think that, you know, for many of us, even if we do feel like, oh, this is a great compensation I'm getting, sometimes we still, along with that, comes a nagging sense, like, I'm not quite sure this is actually what I should be doing. You know, I'm not feeling that deeper sense of fulfillment here. Um, And I do think it's possible that they can actually, you know, show up in the same job. Um, So, yeah, so I don't want to say that this book is going to meet everybody's needs, but I think for people who are seeking not only compensation, but a sense of, you know, being of use and meaning in their life through their job, that's what this book is for. Okay, go ahead, Oh, my, this is Ralph Basham. I'm I'm a physician. And and would you agree with the statement that your book helps people understand what their compensation, their total compensation needs are, in, in particular outside the idea of money. So understanding, you know, because everybody needs a different compensation. You know, some people, you know, in my office and some of the women that work there or people that work there are there because they need a social outlet to be able to talk to people. And part of their compensation mm-hmm. is being able to do that. Part of it is problem solving for for the people that work there. Part of it is interacting with people and trying to, uh, you know, help people with uh, problems as far as simple as scheduling something or as, you know, uh, helping with their medical care. And I think mm-hmm. and I think so many times that we don't, you know, we, it's hard to know, particularly when you're younger, what your what what the total compensation package is like or what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to phrase it. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and I think that is what the book is moving you towards, moving the reader towards that. Right. Like, you know, financial compensation is one piece of that. But there are other equally, if not more important pieces that, you know, you need to understand what your needs are emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, and how a job situation or something, you know, even your own self-employment situation, how you meet those needs for yourself, for sure. Absolutely. You know, the person that really sort of explained that to me was a fellow named John Hillens, and he did, he did uh, 
um, uh, he did HR uh, with uh, Honeywell, I believe. He, he was where, and then he's okay. the person that really uh, told me that 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 he when he he gave a lecture about compensation, he would take uh, different kinds of M and M's and throw them out in the crowd. And everybody got somebody got uh-huh. peanuts, someone got plain, someone got the new uh, orange and vanilla. And, you know, everybody got. And he says, "Look, everybody got something different because all of you need something different for compensation." And as a corporation, exactly. we, we want to try to give yeah, you that. I, I, I would just raise up within that compensation package, if we're talking that language, um, I think the piece that my book is kind of raising to the top of that pile there is, uh, you know, what, again, what I'm calling core intention. So what is it that you go. is your purpose? That is a important, you know, that's a crucial piece of the compensation to understand yourself and what you need to be able to express that in a work situation. Yeah. Yeah. How do we start to find that core purpose? For a lot of people, they're, they're floundering, having a hard time understanding that or finding that intention, that, that goal that they're setting. What, mm-hmm. what are some uh, great tips that you've got to get people started on the right road? Yeah. Well, in, in that chapter of the book, which is uh, the first of what I call the six keys to liberation-based livelihood, there's a mouthful for you. <laughs> um, but so the first key is to become familiar with your core intention. And one of the exercises I invite people to do in that chapter is to, I call it mining for gold in your work history. Um, and I should say, I, I actually think that my book is probably more for those of us who are like 40 and 50 and 60 rather than people who are just out of college. Um, because I, I feel like what I'm inviting people to do is actually look back on your life and reflect and learn from that. So when you do this mining for gold exercise, you're taking a look, you're listing out every job that you've had, and then also things that are not mainstream jobs, right? So like, you know, your responsibilities, like being a parent, um, or maybe if you think back to when you were a teenager, you were a counselor at the camp, uh, all of those things, to list them down, and then do a bit of unpacking to really look at each one of those and just remember like, huh, what was it about that that really, you know, if that this is true, like was there something there that I really loved about that situation and what was that? So you're actually taking your own history and having that teach you and you can find gems in there that really, um, they point you towards what your core intention most likely is. How, do you deal with, you know, the, the self-doubt and, and self-chatter that always brings us down as well and how we get kind of over that and, and focus more on the intention and not so much on the what-ifs and, and could-bes? Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the whole book is actually, I call it like an inside-out approach to career development. So, you know, my sense is that we can have a lot of the correct information. You know, we can take aptitude tests. We can, you know, go to a career counselor and get a sense of like, oh, here's my skill set. Um, but even beyond that, you know, there are ways that, I, like you're saying, like we have the inner voices, the, you know, monkey chatter, um, all the doubts that come up, all the ways that we can sabotage ourselves even with the right information. So, you know, there's a lot in the book about working with those. And, and one of the things I suggest is that I think it's really, really helpful for somebody to have a contemplative practice, uh, whether that's meditation or yoga or something else, because that's an excellent vehicle for us to understand, you know, that chatter that goes in our, our mind and not believe it, you know, to actually be able to override that and, and stay true to whatever our core intention is. I think a lot of people get distracted by the the idea of meditation and such, thinking it's it's metaphysical woo-woo uh, stuff. You know, if, if people are on the fence or don't really understand or grasp it, what is the whole concept of meditation? What are we doing when we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's actually quite simple in many ways. It's, um, you know, and there are many studies that are now showing this, but basically, you know, it's a practice, again, whether it's sitting meditation or yoga or something else, um, where we're learning how to just stay stay present in the present moment without kind of running away, you know, with our doubts or our fears, but we're able to just stay right here and notice what's true in this moment without creating a story about it. Um, So it's as simple as that. And, you know, what it's doing, in addition to having a positive impact on our stress level and lowering that, but it's also really helping us with focus, with concentration, um, and with things that, you know, may fall a little bit more to the rule category, like compassion, but are actually really essential in our lives. Uh, So it's, you know, usually very simple practices that have a profound effect on our lives. And how much time do you have to commit to something like that? Are we talking a five-minute meditation, an hour-long meditation? Where does it really kind of start? Well, I'm a big fan of really encouraging people to go for consistency more than quantity. Uh, so, you know, I actually do think having a five or you know ten minute meditation practice, if you do that every morning, um, it doesn't have to be like you know an hour long, but just five or ten minutes a morning, 
some kind of practice over time really can shift things in a you know transformative way for somebody if they're willing to put that energy into it. So if I wanted to really kind of get into that focal point and I'm doing meditation, should I be concentrating on anything for that 10 to 15 minutes or should I just be trying to live in the now, not think about, you know, anything in particular? Yeah, well, there's different uh, types of meditation and contemplative practice. So there, each of them is going to have a little bit different emphasis on what to do with that time. Um, so some of them will, the instruction will be to actually focus on your breath. Um, you know, a lot of the practice that I do is about just paying attention to my body and my breath. So, you know, returning with each breath and when you notice your mind wandering or, you know, emotions are coming in that are kind of getting you distracted, um, it's a very simple practice like, oh, I can return to my breath right now and just pay attention to that. Um, so that, I find that very helpful and a lot of people do. And then you think that's going to help people start centering in themselves, find some kind of peace and, and balance so that even though they can't control the other things at work that may be frustrating to them, you're, you're teaching people to empower themselves so that they can still feel like they're in control of at least what they're doing and their happiness, their, their goals. Exactly right. So like you're saying, you know, we, we may not have control over certain factors in our workplace, but we always have control over how we react to those. You know, the choices that we make in response to those are, um, and I think the more that we have some kind of practice, the more we're able to remember that we have that power and to exercise that. Maya Dora, thank you so much. The book, again, is called Work That Matters, and uh, we'll have information up for you about that book. Thanks for stopping by today, Maya. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Take care. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's it for today. Tom, we'll be back again with you tomorrow hosting the show with the family. Thanks, guys, for uh, letting me be a part of it today with you and and having some fun and laughs. I appreciate it. And uh, Yeah, good good talks and weird stuff. Uh, Hey, if you're into true crime, check out. I've got a true crime show going today. It's True Crime Tuesday. You can find all the information at darknessradio.com. We take a look at a very topical uh, situation, the Golden State Killer, which... Finally came to resolution after 40 years. Was he put to trial? Not yet. He's just been arrested. So right now they're going to get into this. Uh, We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a future show as well. All right, that's it. You've been listening to the best. This is the Tom Bernard Show.